What's going on, everybody? This is Joey of Underage Packers. Uh, today, joining me to recap that eventful Packers or Colts game is not Aaron Rodgers. You know, me and him, we were working something out, but after he lost, he was feeling pretty dejected. So hopefully we have Aaron on next week. So I got the next best thing. It's Norman of Green Bay Today. Yeah. Norman, how are you doing? I'm mostly... Good, man. You know what? Uh-huh. I could be better. I could be better. Um, yeah. Could have used the Packers win, but mm-hmm. hey, you know what? It'll have to do. Yeah, I'm mostly excited to have you on just because, you know, we had... You are our first guest ever, episode two, me and Big B, previewing the draft. And, you know, the most iconic thing, this is the most iconic thing that has ever been said on our podcast and probably will be for quite a long time. You said, you know, we're talking, we have a whole segment built up on Jordan Love and the Packers possibly drafting a QB. And you said, I can't even imagine uh, Packers social media fans if they traded up for Jordan Love. And that is a part of our intro. Oh, yeah. That that was oh were, yeah. Were you actually thinking that would happen at that time? No, like I mean, I yeah. Going back to this Jordan Love stuff, super super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I never. There was never any definitive thought in my head that I was like, all right, like yeah. this is going to happen. I, obviously, I don't think anybody did, but it was certainly in the back of my head that you know, I didn't see a trade up coming, but I mm-hmm. I did. You know, the the thought of the selection was in the back of my head. So. Yeah, I, I mean, we've we talked enough about Jordan Love, but I mean, definitely the idea of it happening was a very real possibility, much more real than Deshaun Kaiser back in 2017, which I'll always be puzzled by just because then they go and trade for him, for Demary's, that, that's another, we have to have a, a whole episode dedicated when we find out the secrets of Ted Thompson's and the start of Brian Goodigan's career, but... Uh, there, there's much more sad things to unveil today in uh, Packerland. Packers lose 31 to 34 uh, against the Colts in Indy. Uh, so me and Norman will be taking a quick look back here. Everything that happened in this game, how close the Packers got, or really how far this game was despite the three point difference. Let's start off with the first half. Uh, the the most the most overwhelming news of the of the day. Um, they had really good first half. They were outscoring Indy 28 to 14. Offense was clicking against a top in defense, which is what we really wanted to see. And I think the most impressive thing about this was we've been asking all week, all year, really, to play as a complimentary team. Andy Herman brought it up on our episode with him um, that he, we haven't been playing complimentary on, especially defense. And we really saw that. Uh, in the first half, at least, you saw a lot of guys going around the ball, especially on those outside runs that didn't work for them. You, guess, you saw Rashawn Gary setting the edge very well. Um, do you think? Very nice game. Yeah. Do you think this could be? I, I mean, it, should this be for the formula? I mean, obviously, you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor on the outside run every play, but going doing that against the top end offensive line in the Colts is very impressive. Do you think the Packers uh, can continue that for the final stretch of the season? Are you asking me about um, the way they play their run defense? Yes, specifically that. Yeah, dude, I think they have, you know, some really proven um, edge defenders mm-hmm. uh, in Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and now Rashawn Gary, who has looked just seemingly better and better yep. um, every single week he's on the field. And that's – it's really positive towards a thought of the Packers' struggle stopping the run. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, you see week in and week out there, um, you know, it's frustrating at times. There are certain moments in game where you probably want to bash your head in the wall. Um, but, you know, and then you see some other like really, really good consecutive plays happen like back to back and you go like, wow, you know, like these guys are stepping up and it looks a lot better than it did last year. I'll say that mm-hmm. um, even though some people may disagree with that. Um, I do think they're playing a little bit better run, even better run defense. They were uh, this year than they are were last year. Yeah. And I think the most concerning thing has to be right now for a Packers fan uh, Dalvin Cook and the Vikings were able to absolutely run over uh, the Packers' run defense, no matter who was out there. And that has to be very good. I mean, Dalvin Cook most likely isn't going to be in the playoffs, and thank God we don't have to face him again this year. But there's going to be some good running backs in the NFC. And, you know, I think not only for the run defense, but the whole, specifically the defense, how they played was really surprising and hopeful for me, uh, promising for me. The fact that, I mean, they get an interception on Phillip Rivers, I believe they had a fumble there, uh, and they were able to make those stops on defense and allow the the Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers to go down each drive and score. Uh, moving on to the second half, though, this is uh, where it gets ugly. Uh, Indy gets the ball back. To, uh, before we get to the second half, I just remembered that last drive that was absolutely pitiful. I, I'm just still so confused. The last drive of the second half after the, the Colts, um, I believe they missed that vehicle. The Packers have get the uh, possession at the 30-yard line. I mean, what do you have any idea? Because, I mean, they, they do a pass to Devontae to the outside. It seemed like they're going to have some sort of urgency. And then they do a halfback draw to Jamal Williams. Wait 20 seconds and try again. Do you have any idea what was going on there? Man, I'll tell you what, I know um, somebody asked Matt LaFleur about the second and 10 handoffs. I think it was Nagler, actually. Um, I, you know, Matt LaFleur just kind of deferred to the question, like, you know, that's something we we'll have to look at. Like he always says, and um, I know playing the Colts, obviously you'll have to take what you can get um, when you're playing a run defense like that. Um, but I think, you know, when you get in those second and long situations, the run call is like – it's a pretty predictable play call um, yeah. no matter who you're playing. If you don't get anything on first down, you know, a lot of offensive coordinators or play callers are thinking like, Hey, let's hand the ball off here. Um, and let's see what we can get. And uh, it, it just hasn't really been up to par. Um, yeah. Not even today, this entire season, their, um, their gains on second down, second and long. Yeah. And, the drive, certainly those two early drives in the third quarter, the drives that you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, the three and ounce were, I think, probably the biggest drives of the game, considering yeah. um, the just amount of pressure it put on the defense and mm-hmm. the amount of just exhaustion that it gave the defense because they had to be out there for so long. The Colts dominated the time mm-hmm. of possession in the second half, and that that cannot happen um in any other game especially playing against a good team yeah and i'm glad that you brought that time of possession up uh in the third quarter in total i think even going into the fourth quarter the packers had a total of three minutes and 50 seconds time of possession and six total plays in the third quarter which is really unacceptable and i mean you look at the defense you can't blame it on them i mean they're letting jonathan taylor run all over them because the Colts actually have the brain power to think of halftime adjustments and like uh, some team that should not be mentioned. Um, 
and the Packers are coming out here doing two three and outs in the third quarter, letting the Colts have long sustained drives, um, scoring a field goal, holding them to a field goal uh, on the first drive that ended up being six minutes. Just not a very good look for for the uh, Packers as a team. Um, Philip Rivers was throwing at ease again in the second half. I, he was really just starting us up. Uh, he was u- utilizing his tight ends very well. I think Jair Alexander, we didn't see him at all this game, which is always a good thing. Um, and, and then the Packers' mistakes. Pass that, those two drives that you mentioned to start off the third quarter. Then they, the Colts, they allow the Colts to tie the game um, or at least get very close to it. I can't remember if that was after they made it 25-28 or tried the game, but that's besides the point. When Darius Shepard fumbles this kickoff, and this is exactly where there was a lot of mistakes made by the Packers in this game, and, and that's why we'll get to MVS later, but you can't blame it on just one thing. Um, do you think how different of a fourth quarter and finish to this game, what do you think would be if the Packers, who are already facing a lot of momentum against their side after the Colts scored on that uh, previous drive, how different do you think the uh, this finishing game could be? Well, I mean, the easy answer here is you just look at the math. Um, you take away three from the Colts score, and the Packers are lining up to kick the game-winning field goal right there at the yep. end. Um, if that play doesn't happen by Darius Shepard. Now, obviously, um, you know, that that him holding on to the ball, for all we know, could have changed the entire, you know, complexion um, yeah. of the rest of the game. Obviously, that's something um, we don't know. Um, it's kind of a hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. But I I seriously think that um, – and like you said, dude, you can't, you can't put this on. There are so many things you could put this game on, but with a collective just um, – kind of pile of just miscues and mistakes by the team there's not really one you can just pinpoint to and say like wow that's the one that you know really did them over or that's the one that screwed them over here yeah um it's there was just uh, way too many mistakes out there but uh to answer your question i i do think the packers i mean who knows what they do hell maybe they even have another three and out on that drive like the way their offense was playing in that quarter but i mean i mean just I seriously there. think I, – I, yeah, I, I, I really genuinely think that the Packers – I mean, that's that's three points off the board for the Colts. Mm-hmm. So, And that's potentially seven for the Packers. So that's already right there, hypothetically, a 10-point swing yep. already just there on that drive. Or not drive if that play doesn't happen. Um, if Jerry Shepard doesn't fumble that ball. But like we both said, man, you can't really pinpoint that on um, – uh, one Shepard. one specific player. So. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about Sean Meninga a little bit later. I I saw some un, un what I would call uh, undeserved hate to Sean because special teams is a really interesting aspect because you know with Mike Pettin you can see him blitzing three uh, three a three man rush on third and ten and his corners press back twenty yards and you're like okay it's what is favorite. going what. I said that's our favorite kind of coverage. Oh yeah, gotta gotta love it. You know, like especially when it's like we. I know Mike Pettin isn't spending his free time listening to the Pack Day podcast or Packers Transplants, but I mean, when we have been calling for it all week, I mean, he, maybe he at least listens to ours. But when this has been the talk all week, and then lo and behold, there he is running his corners twenty yards off. 
um, and that that proved to hurt us a little bit later in the game oh, as yeah. well. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about Sean Ninga, Mike Penn again a little bit earlier uh, later. Um, so the final two drives were really interesting. Green Bay, I mean, the fact that they don't convert that fourth and one and they are still in this game is unbelievable. Um, so, so they get a stop. Uh, defense finally gets us out there, or at least holds them to the field goal. Rodgers on fourth and one, and I, I'm not sure what the goal was on this play. Uh, it seemed to be like some sort of play action where Rodgers is rolling out, and the pressure is there. They said, they said after the game, um, Rodgers and LaFleur both said that play was designed for Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. and they I think they said that uh, the Colts threw two players on him, so yeah. he was doubled. And Rodgers just had a, you know, kind of a last-ditch effort to try to get the ball to Jamal Williams. You see, that's really confusing. I mean, you're up fourth and one. This is really the game right here. And you you, you do something where if Devontae's taken away, which, uh, shocker, he's your number one receiver, so they're probably yeah. going to go after him on fourth and one. So you'd think they have a little bit better of a imaginary – or, or at least an idea of what they could run on fourth and one there. Um, defense Definitely. gets another stop, and the, the title of this episode is going to be Holding On for Dear Life. Um, Bro, oh my gosh. I, don't, like, I have been watching football for – I'm 18 years uh, old. I have been watching football for probably 10 years now. Mm-hmm. In my, in my football-watching yeah. life, career so far i have never seen anything like that in my entire life like you can't even get that kind of stuff on madden yeah that was nuts all those holding calls yeah i it's kind of the holding on for your life the title is kind of a a two-way pun um so yeah yeah the colts the the fact you know the defense not only is playing not too good Near the end of this game, they're getting tired. So many drives, obviously, we brought up earlier, the time of session not in their favor. And then the Colts get five or six holding penalties. Now, the thing about this, so the Colts, they do this. And at that point, you're like, all right, we're getting lucky. Zadarius does end up making that big play. But here we are again with Mike Pettin on third and 16, where he, he very well knows the Colts are going, they're very close to that range where the uh, four down range and they're going to want to win the game instead of giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers with plenty of time and he plays his cornerbacks off again instead of trying to make the play they get to fourth and four and they easily get it off of a Jair Alexander play or a Jair Alexander blown coverage on the running back nine times so the fact that the Packers aren't able to at least you know limit him to less than 12 yards and they did that earlier in the game they blew with third and 12 so it's just very frustrating um luckily we don't have too strong of an offense coming up in the uh chicago bears um we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later as well uh near the end so now the the big two plays like man i, I was so excited i mean when Zadarius got that sack that was originally called a fumble i know you you look up and you see Christian Kirksey running, you see the clock still running. You know, I start doing oh. a little dance. It's a, a great jolly time. Uh, and then they roll it back, probably the right call. But, I mean, do you think – is that what the Packers – I mean, this is probably a stupid question, and there's an obvious answer. But, I mean, is that what they 
what they're missing on their defense, no matter how much coverage Mike Pettin can blow, do they need more of those explosive plays? I mean, like you said, man, I mean, I don't think it's a stupid question. I just think it's an obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Packers are definitely missing um, turnovers and those explosive plays. I I know they have one touchdown this year, that interception, the pick six by uh, Shandon Sullivan there in week two against the Lions. Um, they've had some other few uh, turnovers here and there, but they really haven't had any like big time turnovers mm-hmm. or, you know, I even like sacks. I mean, yeah, they've been disruptive yeah. up front. Um, their pass rush has been, it's been all right. I'd give it, I'd say it's all right, but not the Smith um, of 2019. Yeah, man, we need that back. But, um, for sure, dude, I definitely, I definitely, um, think that they could really, really use, you know, bigger and more explosive plays like that because when the offense is playing the way it was, um, in that second half against the Colts, they're not doing themselves any good by, uh, not taking advantage of uh, those opportunities. Yeah, and uh, those opportunities that they miss. And, you know, even – it doesn't even matter that the explosive play – the explosive play from Z was enough. And, you know, the, the Christian Kirksey touchdown would have been great. Obviously, that would have been the win for the Packers. But Hey, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'll be biased, and I'm sure you are biased. Uh-huh. Hey, I'll say it right now, you know, like you said too. It was probably the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, it it actually was the right call, but <laughs> man, that was a touchdown. Come on, just have that <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, that was very disappointing news. I, I was hoping and praying. You know, the one time, just a random thought: the week six or week eight against Vikings, rather. Uh, when I I went up after that twelve minute on the field, I went up. I I started vacuuming. Uh, my room and put it some headphones in and then I hear my brothers downstairs uh, uh, cheering because they reversed the call into 12 man and uh, I was just hoping we'd get one of those again um, but then after that great sack from Z or that uh, forced incompletion Aaron Rodgers gets the ball at the five after a, a pretty bad move from Darius Shepard and he drives his team all the way down to the opposing 15 he misses Tanya or Robert Tunyon, my apologies, uh, in the end zone. Look too much at Tunyon, him missing Tunyon. And then Crosby, obviously, my nerves were high when he was going out there to make the kick. But then we get to overtime. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Um, when they were heading into overtime, we find out the great legend Tim Boyle is helping us win games again, calling the right call on that. He never fails. Yep. Help. Call on the right call on the coin toss. I mean, how? What were your chances for the Packers going into that? I, dude, I'll I'll be straight up with you. Um, I I watch the games by myself more times than not, and call me weird or whatever. I talk to myself during mm-hmm. the games, and one of the things I was saying was, you know, I'm like, we're not losing this game. There's yep. no way we just drove almost 90 yards down the field and yep. sent this game to overtime. And we're going to come all the way here after being up by so much um, in this game. And we're going to lose this game. I'm like, it's not possible. Yep. And then the first play happens. I'm like, all right, like, here we go. Or the yeah. first, first, first down, I think, whatever it was that happens. I'm like, all right, like, here we go. And then, um, unfortunately, the play by uh, MBS happened. And at that point, um, the game was pretty much sealed. But there was a thought in the back of my head. There was yeah. kind of 
kind of a hope. Like, you know what, with the, the way this game has been going, it's not over <laughs> quite yet. Because um, I know uh, Rodrigo Blankenship missed uh, one mm-hmm. of those field goals. And then with all those uh, holding yeah. calls, you know what? I mean, it's not over till it's over. <laughs> yeah, no, I know there are two or three holding calls away from being uh, out of field goal range. Yeah, I'm glad you think oh, the yeah. same way as me because I, I was – I'm never – thinking we we don't have a chance till the clock hits zero. Like I was literally in the Buccaneers game with 10 minutes left. We still have a chance. Even oh, the, yeah, it's not over till it's zero. Yeah, even in the NFC Championship game. I mean, yeah, I think – talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, after, after we get that, I'm thinking the Colts just got absolutely obliterated. This is a t- totally different offense and game plan than we saw at the start of the third. And here they are with great chance. Colts is – Defense is exhausted. The ball is in Aaron Rodgers' hands, and then the ball wasn't in MVS's hands. Um, now that, now look, I, I do it. It hurts. It hurts, especially because it what it gave the Colts so. Great. I feel for him. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that after we overanalyze it. But you know, the the idea. I mean, first of all, the it's not like we were at the our 20 yard line and about the score and just lost the game right there and had a chance to kick the field goal. We still had to drive 70 yards down the field. I did like what I see from that um, quick, quick throw to Aaron Jones, but yeah, MVS fumbles it and there goes the game. So, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Oh, okay. We got to talk about this. I'm sure anybody that pays attention to uh, not just the Packers, but the blogosphere saw the, Interesting question by, I believe he works for ESPN Milwaukee reporter, Mark Daniels, who asked Matt LaFleur, I mean, you have the audacity. You you work your way up. I don't know too much about Mark's career, um, but, you know, he's probably had to work all, it, this very tough ladder up to be able to be credentialed for the press conferences. And he asked a very emotional question, and how do you live with MVS? Like I, I don't, I, I don't know how Matt Lafleur kept his cool during that question. If yeah. I was a Lafleur man, I probably would have said something snarky uh, <laughs> right back. So that's why uh, he's the head coach of the Green Bay mm-hmm. Packers. And so I mean, I don't. I mean, I get it. Um, I don't. I don't know if he's a Packer fan or not. I mean, I think he would be. Um, like you said, I don't really know too much about him either. But um, I I see stuff on Twitter all the time, and I I have to say I agree where. Um, you know, these reporters and people can critique players all the time mm-hmm. on, you know, their ability and their actions on the field. But then as soon as, you know, someone um, on the field points the yeah. the light onto somebody, you know, like Mark Daniels for a second who asks a question like that, then all of a sudden the players are the bad or Yeah, the players are the bad guy because they're critiquing, you know, a reporter for making a, a silly question like that. And what's even more baffling was I saw like, under the tweet, I think Matt Schneidman tweeted out that Mark Daniels said that or something during the press conference. And I see, I see like comments under, and you know, it's Twitter. You can find anything on Twitter, unfortunately, but um, anything under, yeah, under, under the comments, you know, under that post, I see people literally saying like, wow, a reporter actually asked like a serious question. Like how, how yeah. just like you said, the what you said is like perfectly describes it. Like mm-hmm. that, it was an emotional question, and yeah. I think when in that position, um, and you have that job, 
I think that's one thing you have to automatically just take out of your yeah. job, no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah, I mean, the media's job is to annoy the players when they ask them a question. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody knows yeah. that. And, like, it's to get the clickbaity quotes. So, you know, to – they're pretty under, – underestimately are virtually – they're coworkers. So, you know, uh, it, it have a little bit of respect and understand. I mean, you're asking the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, how do you live with your wide receiver who just got a 50-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers who um, – The Packers, they don't even get – to overtime without MBS and yeah, let alone exactly. he had, I know he had other catches that game. Um, mm-hmm. He came up pretty big. And other than the catches, Matt Fleury even pointed out too. He said stuff you guys probably won't even recognize or notice. Yeah. MBS, he, Matt Fleury literally said, and I totally completely agree. He said Matt or MBS blocked his ass off today. Yeah. He had a really good game. And I know that fumble yeah, hurts. There was a lot of, and I know, Oh yeah. Touch on, uh, the touchdown, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Jamal Williams' touchdown where he's going behind. Some great blocks. You could see him every touchdown, every good big play. He was out there blocking. Yeah, he is. He's And, you know, I, I hate to see because at the end of the day, man, these, you know, I, no matter how mad you get at something, mm-hmm. um, these these guys are human too, man. They have emotions. Um, and to just see, like, and I, I really do feel for MBS. I mean, yeah, what happened, you know, it sucks. And he's got the team behind his back. And he has most of, you know, Packer fans behind him. But for the ones that are negative and have to say things, I won't repeat some of the things I saw because me and you both have pages. And I'm sure you saw some pretty just mm-hmm. disturbing stuff too. Um, I just think as a whole, Packer fans have to be better um, yeah. when, you know, supporting their players through the highs and the lows um, at the same time. And, um, I, you know, MVS is, he's been a big part of what the Packers have accomplished this year on offense. Um, even again, through the highs and the lows, um, they, they probably wouldn't be where they are on offense without MVS. So yeah. to see him, you know, really hurt like that, even as a person, let alone a football player and receive those type of comments, I think is just completely, um, just inappropriate. Yeah. And you hate to see, I mean, Brandon Bostic, he replied, it's just, it, it's really sad. I mean, I, if I was allowed to have Twitter in 2014 and was into the Packers I, as I am now, oh boy. I, I would not like to see what I tweeted at Brandon Bostic. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's just really sad to see, you know, Brandon Bostic having that um, empathy with him. And, yeah, you yeah. bring up a good point there that, you know, these people, you know, even though they're on your TV screen and you can admire them, and one play you're cheering them, one play you're booing them. I mean, you gotta. Re- this is their jobs. Everybody has bad days at their jobs. I mean, sure, you you are probably be pay- not being paid a million dollars to go out there and work out your local accounting office, but you know you, you gotta you gotta understand uh, the whole scheme of things. You know, these guys are people too. All right, so that that was enough of. Uh, the MVS and everything. So story of this game for Packers was there was too many mistakes. You take away a lot of those, you know, the Aaron Rodgers interception early in the game, um, the Darius Shepard MVS fumble, and I'm forgetting what other turnover they had later, but they lost the turnover battle four to two, which is just another one of those things where we said all week. That can't happen. Yeah. They can't afford to lose the turnover battle against a top end defense. 
and a veteran quarterback. And here we are. They only lost by three somehow, but they made those mistakes and they went to bite them. Now, moving on to Mike Pettin, as we mentioned, I don't think this is a game where you can necessarily blame it on the defense because the main reason they only lost by three is the defense. However, those tendencies are getting annoying and they're getting frustrating. Most they've been annoying. They're getting predictable. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I think the age-old question is, will they fire Pettin in the middle of the season? I don't think they will. But I mean, no. do you? If they did, let's hypothesize instead of asking you the basic question: Who would replace him? Um, how much do you think that would set the Packers into a frenzy or benefit them? I mean, a lot of people, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of the ignorant people that are calling for Mike Pettin's head right now um, probably think that letting him go would be the best thing for this team. But I think Mm -hmm. if it really was the best thing for this team to let him go, they would have let him go after the 49ers game last year. And for them to make a move like that in the middle of the season, um, especially now more than ever, I mean, there's people are acting like they're, (laughs) you know, four and six and they're just giving up 50 points a game like I get it um you know it's really frustrating to watch at times you know like you mentioned the corners are sagging off like literally 15 yards at times and you know sometimes Preston Smith is thrown in coverage to guard a tight end which one real quick just to comment on that I mean that was not even bad coverage by Preston Smith that was just a perfect ball by Phil Rivers (laughs) but that's that's Uh that's all beside the point um I, but to get it back on track with what I was saying, um, who knows that that, you know, might even benefit the team. I mean, what if they fire Mike Pettin and then they, let's say, for example, someone internally takes over like Jerry Gray and they, they just do even worse. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, they have, they've gone over their options on the table and, um, you know, a firing and an internal hire has more than likely already been discussed. Mm-hmm. But it's extremely, 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 extremely unlikely to happen, especially now with where we're at in the season. Yeah. Um, we're in the home stretch. We got six games left, and the playoffs are uh, in the horizon. So, yeah, and they, yeah, they've had to discuss. Um, I mean, hiring, firing when you fire a head coach, you're you're pretty much giving up your season, unless your team like the Falcons who went ahead and fired him week three. You know, when the Packers fired McCarthy, I mean, that was pretty shocking just because of his legacy with the team. I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, that was that was really untraditional for the Packers. Um, I mean, they were throwing away their season. And I think this would really set too much of a frenzy. I mean, you know, sure, Jerry Gray has been around with the team for a year, Mike Smith with for a year or two. Um, but, I mean – I just don't see Mike Pettin. I mean, in his press conferences, he doesn't seem like the most motivational guy. I wouldn't want to – I mean, if he's telling – he's the guy in my locker room every Sunday, I don't think I'd be that motivated to sack a quarterback. But, I mean, I'm not Zadarius Smith, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't see that happening. Um, this offseason, though, you can look forward to it. There's something. Um, all right, let's see. To wrap it up, Let's talk about the NFC. We talked about it at the beginning of this week before the game, looking at that landscape. Now the Packers are 7-3, and three, I believe, the third seed at this point. Um, do you think, really, there is a 
dominant team in the NFC at this point? Is there a 49ers from last year at this point? Absolutely not. And I think I have full uh, confidence and persuasion with that answer. I mean, you, you look at every single team, they, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. I mean, I could, I could sit here and talk about every team and tell you their strengths and weaknesses, but I mean, we, for one, don't have time for that. And two, you know, I think, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. I mean, you look in the AFC and you think like, okay, the winner of that is, you know, whoever's going to represent them in the Super Bowl this year is probably going to be the Steelers and the Chiefs and maybe one other team. Yeah. You're looking at the NFC. I mean, they're, all of these teams are just, I think, in one just, like, replica of, yeah. of, of a mosh pit. And you got those someone's going to come out of there, you know, with blood all over themselves, and they're going to represent yeah. the NFC. And who, who that is is to be determined. There's no, like you mentioned, there's no um, clear-cut, you know, front runner like there was last year with San Francisco. Yeah, and San Fran, I mean – they were literally in a league of their own. And then you had us and the Seahawks kind of trailing off behind them. I had no idea, have no idea how the, that division came down to literally one yard. Um, I mean, I, I would completely crazy. agree. I mean, the Seahawks, like I just mentioned, their defense is God awful, even worse than the Packers and the 2011 Packers. Uh, the Buccaneers, they might match up very well against the Packers, but they also lost 31 to three against the Saints. The Packers, beat the Saints at home pretty convincingly, I would say. So we'll have to see. I, I, I would be shocked if the Packers are that dominant team come January. But there's some season left, and we'll have to see what happens in yep. these last six games. Definitely. So uh, other than that, next week against Chicago, let's move on. Um, I'll ask you this, but and then we'll head off. Um, when I was before this game, I was looking to see a team that convinced me enough that we could at least make a run and I guess be that dominant team. Um, were you looking for, and really the home stretch of this year, are you looking for something to be satisfied and convinced going into the playoffs? Uh, I think, um, you know, obviously you always want to have, um, you know, probably the thing you want to have into the playoffs most importantly is being healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not really too concerned about um, the, the way that, you know, the entry is made because if you're in, you're in and we know anything can happen once you're in that's, I mean, that's for all sports. Um, All you got to do is get in to dance. And if you know, you're dancing any given Sunday, um, like guys, the Cowboys just beat the red hot Minnesota Vikings. Like that's just for example, like we, everyone knows you can win any given Sunday. So yeah. I'm sure the Packers would love to be rolling, which I think they actually have a really good chance of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward with their schedule. I know they got the bears coming up next week Then they got the Eagles and they had to Detroit and then they come back for Carolina mm-hmm. and then they got, um, they stay home again for the Titans and they, uh, finish out the regular season in Chicago. So yeah. I think obviously, um, like I said, to be rolling in pretty hot is something the Packers would obviously love to do. Yeah. But I think most importantly, um, I I would rather be healthy than um, rolling in hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be in going into the playoffs saying our best football was played in September. 
and I would exactly. completely agree with you. I'd love if we can uh, go and miraculously defeat Derrick Henry and the Titans uh, and then beat out a division rival away uh, would be massive for us. And then to go into the playoffs, hopefully with a good seed, um, and then we'll see what Realistic. happens. Yeah, no, yeah dude, like- it's, it's, it's definitely realistic. I know Green Bay will be favored to win against their next two games, the uh, the Bears and then the Eagles, both of which at home. Mm-hmm. They'll be favored against the Lions, which, you know, obviously like this totally contradicts everything I just said any given Sunday. But um, I, I do expect the Packers to win their next three games. And I know you got to take it. And, you know, as they say, you got to go 1-0 every week. That is true. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you got to look ahead to uh, what you got going on and you know looking at those next three games like I said I I do expect them to win those next three games and then after Detroit like I said um, they come back for Carolina and Tennessee and then they go to Chicago so I I truly think um, looking forward there's probably I would like to say if this team is healthy you know knock on wood this team is healthy um, all the way through the regular season I would probably like to say that this team goes, you know, they probably drop one more of their next six games into the playoffs. Yeah. Five and one into the playoffs, um, winning five out of your last six game games is considered pretty hot to me. I think yeah. that's a pretty good streak to have. And like I said, too, um, most importantly, though, it just, you know, you just got to stay healthy. So, Yep. And, you know, I'd love to just be going to the playoffs. 12 and four would be fantastic. And uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, um, Norman, you have been so gracious with your time. I did not expect uh, expect us to go so far, um, but Sorry, it was a great time um, recapping that Colts game. Let's move on. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, me and Big B will hopefully be back again this Friday to preview that Bears game. Thanks, everybody, for hey. watching. Uh, Norman, <clears throat> where can people find you? Hey, uh, everybody can find me on Instagram at Green Bay underscore today, or they can find me on Twitter at Green Bay today. But uh, I would just like to say, man, likewise, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not asked really to be guests on any episodes, but uh, that's okay. I had fun on this one, and uh, thanks for having me on, man. It was, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. No problem. I was just I was bored to talking to myself, so I was like, you know what? I got to get two reds here, redheads here, Tim, and now you. So it's a great time, <laughs> uh, everybody. Be make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, and I forgot to say this at the beginning, Big B. I know if you had a rough weekend, I know you're still listening to every episode because you yelled at me for something rude I said to Jamal Williams. So Big B, we're all so rooting for you. Thanks everybody for listening. Go Pack, go. Go Pack. Thank you.